0: Indeed, he says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, he says, and count them as rubbish. And uh, and I thank you guys for uh, for being here, weathering the storm, weathering this virus. Uh, this quarantine, we have been given permission to meet as long as we have our masks and we keep our social distancing. And God, we just thank you for that. But we know that we don't need permission from no man to worship you, Lord. We know that all we have to do is come before you in our in our closet, in our bedroom. All we have to do is come before you anywhere, Lord, and we are in the presence of our King, our mighty king and we thank you god for making that possible when that veil was ter- torn in two so that we have access and we can boldly come to the throne of grace and be able to have that encounter with you on a on a very personal and intimate level and father you are you are not removed from us and though they may close the doors and though we may have these social barriers around us father we know that we are united in one in you. And I just thank you, God, on how you've brought the church together and how you're stirring up the church to to do the good works that you've called her to do. And I I thank you, God, for the honor and the privilege of being able to lead your sheep, your people into the presence of where you are and be able to minister to people all around us. Lord, help us to take advantage of this situation in this time to be able to proclaim your word. And I pray, Father, that we have that same zeal that we all are all experiencing right now, that we have that same power that same uh, tenacity to be able to go forward, Lord. We just thank you for that. So, Father, this morning we do come together throughout the world to be able to celebrate this wondrous occasion that you came out of that grave. The door didn't have to be open for you because you weren't there. It was open so that we can see that you were not there. And we thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for all the believers that are around the world that are committing themselves to you, that are serving you in so many different ways. So, Father, we pray that you continue to lead us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen, amen. amen. and amen. All right. Well, amen. you may be seated. As you know, we've been going through the book of uh, First Corinthians, and I'm just going to take a little detour right now, and I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, and in Philippians, Paul is talking to the people in Philippi, and he's, he's sharing with them some of the things that he wants them to know and some of the things he wants them to do. Philippians is a very uh, uplifting letter when you think about it. it's It's a letter that, that has a lot of uh, love and encouragement and and rejoice and, and and Paul is constantly just telling the people, you know rejoice and enjoy yourselves in Christ and well, you know by the way, I'm going through a lot of big trouble right now myself. But as he's experiencing all these struggles and all these pains and challenges that that are in his life, I thought maybe it would be good for us to go back and look a little bit about what Paul was doing and what he's asking us to do. In 1 Corinthians, I had mentioned to you that Paul is talking to a church that is in trouble. I've been talking to you about a church that has just gone to the wayside. They are no longer connected uh, in such a way that they are obeying Jesus Christ. The body is in shambles. And so Paul has straightened them out all the way through the the first letter of Corinthians and even in the second letter, second letter to some extent. And in chapter 15, he's addressing a situation where there is no resurrection, so somebody has said to them. And so Paul is addressing that, that, one, that one problem, that one situation they have. And he's, he's addressing the fact that there is a resurrection. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then that means that Jesus Christ didn't resurrect. And if Jesus Christ didn't resurrect, then everything that we're doing is for nothing. And so he's given us the opportunity and the ability to understand that there is a resurrection. And he's walked us through it so far. And, and we're going to continue on with that next, uh, next week when we finish off chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. But, but Paul has this theme in his life. And it's the resurrection that is his theme, that is his goal, that is what drives him and stirs him and moves him forward. Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we'll see it in all these different chapters and verses. But if you open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter three, and I'm going to ask you to read with me verses ten through eleven. And if you haven't done so already, pull out your outlines. Uh, pick up a piece of a paper if, you, if you're at home and or a notepad and uh, a pen and a pencil in your Bibles. I pray you that you're ready to move forward with Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. And here's what he says. And he says, that I may know him, this is Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And they share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is a theme that Paul has talked about. This is a theme that Paul continually states. And and he's talking about living the resurrection and and knowing the resurrection and understanding the resurrection. And I want you to know Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that same power that Paul understood and many others have have actually grasped and, and moved forward with. I want you to get a hold of that same resurrection power. This is my cry, my plea. I I urge you, I beseech you, beloved, to know this power right now as we are in quarantine, right now as we have been locked down in our houses. You have you have been able to tap into that power to be able to help you through this process and through this time. But but there's something more that God wants you to do with that. It's not just to survive. It's not just to live and then die, but it's to make your life a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ. And so I want to share with you on how you can come to know Jesus Christ. I want you to know him. And this morning we talked about the people that visited the tomb and the first people that were there were, of course, the soldiers. They were there taking care and taking, guarding the tomb. And as a matter of fact, apart from the angel that was there, they were the first ones to actually witness that there was nobody in the tomb. You know, the women had showed up, there was an earthquake, the door was open, and, and the guards saw and they looked and they were in fright because of the angel, because there was no body in the tomb, and, and I'm sure that they were stunned. And they know that Jesus Christ resurrected. And not only that, a few of them went to go tell the priests, you know what, Jesus Christ is no longer there. And we know that they also knew that Jesus resurrected because they says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Instead of going and investigating for themselves to see what actually took place, instead of, you know, okay, well, maybe, maybe we should think this over. What they did is they called they call, they call the whole council together. And as the council gathered, they devised this plan to say that his disciples came and took him and stole him from the tomb. Now, that puts the Roman soldiers in bad light. That puts them in bad light. It just messes up everything. But to devise this plan that his disciples told him, now, we don't have time to go through all the, well, what if if this and what if that? But bottom line, that was the lie that has been uh, perpetrated ever since then. And so the soldiers, they knew that Jesus Christ resurrected. The priests, they knew that he had resurrected, but they didn't know the resurrection. They didn't know the resurrection power. And that's the one thing that we want to get across to you today. Thank God that we don't have commercialism to busy up our life so that we can really focus on what the resurrection is all about. Next year... We might be back to the same as usual, business as usual. Stores will be having spring sales, Easter sales, bunny sales, egg sales, clothes sales. They'll have everything going. Campgrounds will be full. Churches will be emptied or maybe just come early in the morning and take off and do whatever it is that we're going to do in the parks and the beaches and wherever it is that we're going to be going. And it's going to be back to business as usual. Today, for the first time ever, we have the opportunity to understand this resurrection and the power of the resurrection or... We can be like the guards and say, "Okay, well, thank you for the money," and and that's good. I, I'll just continue to say that yes, he resurrected, but you know what? I think his disciples might have stole his body, oh. and we'll perpetrate that same lie within our lives and live it out in such a way that we don't believe in the resurrection. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that. We talked about how do we live the resurrection, and and basically, we came back to this verse in first in Philippians chapter three. You see. Paul said to us back in 1 Corinthians 15, and this is what we were talking about back then, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? Because we're already proclaiming it. We're already talking about Jesus Christ being resurrected. Yeah, but somebody stole his body. Or the women were probably a little emotional. Or maybe he wasn't really dead. Maybe he was just, you know, very exhausted and and beat up and, and he came back to life. And there are a lot of maybes. Yeah. Maybe they hallucinated and they thought they saw Jesus Christ and it wasn't really him. Maybe And there's a lot of maybes that were, have been throughout history, but the one that has remained is this one that they have, that they stole his body, which doesn't answer any of the other questions. How was it that 500 other people saw him? How was it that Paul the Apostle had seen him? How was it that he shows up, and we'll talk about that tonight, to two other people on the way to Emmaus? How is it that all these other things are 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 documented and stated and how is it that they, they continue to proclaim this and they proclaimed it even to the point of death and they they took these guys and they they took them aside and they bound them and they said renounce jesus and they said never so if these guys were really crazy if these guys were really hallucinating, if they really made up the story or stole the body, anybody in their right mind, eventually, you know, you're talking about not only just one or two, but all, all the disciples plus everybody else that was involved, the 500 that, that had witnessed Jesus Christ. If any of those would have been captured and, and put to the sword and they would say, okay, you know what? I was just kidding, really. I, am, uh, he, he, I know where his body is. They would have given him up. Don't you think? But every single person every single person that was was imprisoned and bound and and taken away they they believed it all the way to the end and they died for the one thing that they knew jesus is alive folks, that is the power of the resurrection. That same power is what drove Paul through all these cities to preach the gospel, to go through beatings, to go through shipwrecks, being left for dead, and, and all the way through in prison. And finally, at the end, he was beheaded. Tradition has it. He was killed, executed for his faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the power that I want you to know. I want you to know that power. I want you to know that 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 same Savior that I know. And this word "know," it's it's not the word that many of you probably have. Uh, have known it's, it's like kenosis to to kind of understand or have a a thinking knowledge of it. This kind of know is that know where you know somebody intimately, something that a husband and a wife both know each other, where you have this this deep connection between you and your friend or or your family, or and it's it's that kind of knowledge. It's it's more than just head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge. You see, what John tells us in six forty four, he says. No one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the, the same thing happens in, okay, let me, let me get back here just a little bit. Indeed, he says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, he says in Philippians 3.8, and count them as rubbish, all those things that I have. There are a lot of things that have been taken away from us, folks, these last few weeks, a lot of things that we've been holding on to, a lot of the luxuries of life, like being able to go out to dinner, being able to go to the movies, being able to just to take a stroll in the park or watch the sunset at the beach, as some people have found out just recently, they cannot do. And all those things, Paul says, to me, they're rubbish. That doesn't mean anything anyways yet there are a lot of people that are really stressing about they don't have that. And this is what Paul is saying. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to really just understand him. In Romans 7, 18, it says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. He knows that there is nothing in his flesh within him. I can't... I can't get through this life. I can't go through these sufferings. I can't go through these anxieties on my own willpower. I can't get to the point where I am willing to give up my life on my own power, on my own flesh. Paul says it himself. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I know what I got to do. I know how far I need to go in Jesus Christ, but me, myself, my flesh, I don't have that power. You see, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, is what Jesus Christ told his disciples. And so what we need to know is that resurrection power to be able to get us through the next phase. You know, I've been saying this here now for some time uh, behind the scenes. There's a lot of things that are going on that are being set up and perpetuated in order to start our one world order. Now, I don't know when this one world order will actually take place, but if, if you're in agreement with me and you know this, if you've been following any of the, the news lately, there's a lot of things that are starting to line up. You, you know, I, I've said this before. I stopped looking for the signs. All the signs are already there. I can see that. I stopped looking for the signs. I'm not just waiting to hear the trumpet. Amen? I'm listening for the trumpet to call because that's the one thing that we are waiting for because at that last trumpet, those who are dead in Christ shall be resurrected and all those of us who are left behind will be caught up with him in the air. And so, what's going to keep us to, through that that time, that, that, that period? What's going to hold us? It is the resurrection power, folks. That's what it is. The second thing that Paul says is, you know, if you want to know Jesus Christ, and I want you to know Jesus Christ, and my whole purpose of of doing this is to for you to know who he is you 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 need to know that you must know the fellowship of his suffering the fellowship of his suffering that's point number two in in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 he says that I may share his sufferings you know in in that verse share uh that, that verse share is, is actually the Greek word koinonia, and I like the way the King James version translates it because it's exactly what it is, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You see, a lot of times when we talk about fellowship, you know, most of us think, well, it's, you know, coffee and cheese, man. I yeah. mean, coffee and cheesecake. Yeah. And it's coffee and donuts and just being able to to enjoy each other's fellowship and you know just have something to eat and and they just have fun together. We'll go bowling or just come over and we'll fellowship. That's what we think of fellowship. Fellowship is fun. Fellowship shouldn't be suffering. Well, it all depends on who you're fellowshipping with, I guess. I don't know. But fellowship is meant to build you up. Yeah. Now, now go with me on this. Okay? If fellowship is meant to build you up into Christ likeness, what more? can actually build you up than actual suffering. You know, more and more people are coming to know who Jesus Christ is and are getting closer to him because of this lockdown, this virus, this threat of losing life. And every time there is suffering within the church, the church grows. It has been from the very beginning. The moment it started getting uh, to, to be persecuted, it grew. You couldn't stop it. They wanted to kill it off. Every time that it starts to grow, they try to stop it. And in places of China where where the only religion that there is is their religion, the, the fastest growing religion in China is the underground church, which is the Christian faith. Everywhere in the world where Christianity is persecuted, it grows. There seems to be something about that fellowship of the suffering. Now, I know a lot of you are suffering in many different ways, financially, physical health, relationships. Many of you are suffering in ways that I I couldn't even begin to understand. And I don't mean to belittle any of that suffering that you go through. But the suffering that Paul is talking about here is not that kind of suffering. He's talking about a suffering that you yourself endure because of your faith in Christ. It has to do, see, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. You're blessed. And every time that there is a persecution as such, even James himself says, count it pure joy when you go through tribulations. And those tribulations aren't what we're talking about here today. They're tribulations, they're trials, they're sufferings. They're those types of things that come upon us because of who you know. Because of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, you know, I want you to know Jesus Christ. And I want you to know Jesus Christ as well. And if you want to know him, you need to know the power of his resurrection. You need to know the fellowship of his suffering. In in 2 Corinthians verses 1 and 5, he says, you know, praise God, the father of all compassion, the God of all mercy who comforts us during our tribulations so that we in turn can comfort others. And then in verse 5, he says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I mean, When you go through these problems in life, you are one of the best persons to be able to minister to somebody going through the same thing. We have that power, that ability to join in on this fellowship of his suffering. In Colossians, Paul says in verses 1 and 24, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. You know, I'm going through hardships. I'm going through persecution, and I'm glad because I'm doing it for you. I want you to know this. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church. And his body was being afflicted for the sake of the body, which is the church. And he says, this is what I want to do, and this is what I desire to do. I want my life to be a living sacrifice so that you may be lifted up. I want you to know that power. I want you to know the power of, this, uh, of the resurrection. I want you to know the fellowship of his suffering. In the back of your outlines in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 it says, "We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed; we are perplexed, but not driven to despair; we are persecuted, but not forsaken; we are struck down, but not destroyed; always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our" bodies. This is the day, beloved. This is the day that we focus on that cross. Every first Sunday of the month, we have what we call communion, our symbol of salvation, which is the bread and the cup. And we remember, we do this to remember of what Jesus Christ went through. Every Sunday we gather to remember what he went through and to remember that he's resurrected and to remember that he's coming back. That is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we carry that with us everywhere we go. Uh, You know, if you want to carry a cross with you to remind you of that, well, then that's fine. But really all you need is his word. And I'll share with you tonight on how important that is to know and to have his word. That is the most important thing. Many people want to see Jesus. Many people want to feel Jesus. Many people want to uh, embrace Jesus. But he's going to show you tonight on what's the most important that you want to experience Jesus. You got to know his word. Number three. I know I want you to know Jesus and I want you to know him. And so in order for me to to help you to get to know him, I need to know and I must know that I will resurrect with Jesus. I will resurrect with Jesus. Look at this verse with me. Becoming like him in his death that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The Greek construct of if any means possible, I know it sounds to, well, you know what? Does he Was he doubting or did he not know that he was going to be resurrected? So he's trying to work his way up to salvation? No. What he's saying is, you know, I want to do all that I can to be able to earn what I've got, to be able to know that, I, you know, what I've been forgiven of. Jesus Christ forgave a huge debt in my life. I'm going to spend eternity with him. And I want to do whatever I can to just repay him back. I owe him my life. Paul's already talked to us uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, he's already talked to us about his knowing Jesus Christ and he's, him knowing that, that Christ died for him. He's already shared with us on how he's, he's already uh, understood who he is and, and what he's done. And so th- th- it's not a matter of trying to work your way up to salvation. It's a matter of understanding your salvation and the resurrection power that he has, that fellowship of his suffering, and that you too will resurrect with him Amen. at the end. Amen. It's very interesting. I've been in the, the hospital beds of many people that have passed on. And it's very, it's very unique on how you are able to sit with a, a person that has committed their life to Christ, that has no fear. You can see it in their eyes. Yeah. You can see the, the, just the glory. You can almost see that the, 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 they're looking at Christ. They're looking at something that's not even physically there, but they spiritually can see it right at the point where, where they know that they are coming to a point in their life that, that something is going to transform them into the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen. And to be able to see that, and it's sad as you sit at the bedside and you stand there and you pray with the families and try to help them to get a grip on what's going on in their life. And as they pass on, it is just a, almost a beautiful sight. And then on the flip side of that, I've been on the side of the bed of those that you can just see there's fear in their heart. There's fear in their eyes. There's, there's not that willingness to repent. There's not that willingness to want to commit them li- their life to Christ. There's not that they're going to try to get in on their own accord. They're going to try to get in there by doing what they can. They, they, they have this mentality and this idea that, well, once I get there, I'm sure God's going to be able to measure my goodness He's going to maybe be able to measure all the things that I have done. Yeah. That, you know, I know I've done some bad things, yeah. but, but you, know, you know, I've done a lot of good things, too. And I think that when I get to heaven, all these good things are going to outweigh all these bad things. Yeah. And therefore, I believe that Jesus will let me in. He's going to let me in as if, you know, th- there's a standard. There really is. And, and you got to figure out, okay, so who's the standard? Are you the standard? Are we going to let everybody in according to your standard? If you're the one that's trying to be good enough, how much of a standard do we have to have? What is the standard? But the standard is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was perfect. So if you want to try to get into heaven by your works, you have to be absolutely perfect. That means that from the day you were born, you could not have committed any sin. Because the moment that you sin, you're toast. That's it. We're toast. And so the question also arises, so how does somebody get into heaven? That's a very good question. I'm glad you asked it. I mean, I thought all I had to do was go to church. I thought all I had to do was be good. I thought all I had to do was read the Bible and give my money away. And he says, no, it's not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of what's already been done. You see, God's perfection is the standard. Jesus Christ is the standard yeah. and that's the standard that nobody can attain it's a, it's like if you know well god's going to really see me and he's going to lower his standard just far enough so i can my good standards can help me get over the top of that that wall to barely crawl in no that's not what the bible teaches at all that's not what the bible teaches at all you are in his resurrection when you commit your life to jesus christ he is drawing you. He is calling you. He is wanting to wake you up. Yeah. And all he wants you to do is to respond to what he is trying to give you. I remember when I was at the, at, the, at the desk of my pastor, and my pastor said to me, he says, you know, why do you want to bring your children to church? And why do you want to dedicate them to the Lord? And I says, well, because I don't want them going to hell. <laughs> and he says, well, what about you, Sal? I says, well, it's too late for me. He says, I, I know I'm going there, and I wasn't joking. You know, for me, it's too late, but I know it's not too late for them. They're still innocent, and they, you know, you can help them. You can help them. And, and the pastor says, well, you know, I don't, it's not too late for you. And I, I says, I'm going there. So I don't want you to go there. Well, how, how am I going to stop it? And he shared the grace of God with me. And it was like this huge I don't know, warmth, this huge, these arms just came around me. I could not contain myself. It was irresistible grace that grabbed me and held me and said, Mijo, come home. Come home, son. And the good thing was that it was not just me. It was both my wife and I. We experienced it together. We knew about God. We knew that he died on the cross. I was one of those thieves that probably could have got paid off. Excuse me, one of those soldiers that could have got paid off really easy and, and said, yeah, it's no big deal. I'd done that and ridiculed Christianity all my life. And I used to make fun of those that would try to come up to me and give me a track. And, and there were just things that I did in my life that, that I knew it didn't please God. But it was at that point I sensed his grace. I felt his grace. I felt his forgiveness. I told the pastor, if that's all it takes, boom, my wife and I right there before uh, his desk, we committed our life to him and never turned back. You see, because I, I, I come to know him. There was this experience that I had, this, this uh, relationship that started to grow. I just didn't know about him intellectually. I knew about him emotionally. And, and I sensed the Holy Spirit just come inside my heart and make me a new person. And there was a calling upon my life, like there's a calling upon your life to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of you, every one of us have that same calling to proclaim what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Romans 6, 4 says this, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. It was a new life. The old life was gone and the new life had begun because now you are in Christ Jesus once that takes place. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. We'll be looking at this uh, here next week. He says, behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. In other words, what you plant in the ground is not what comes up out of the soil. You don't plant a little seed, and more seeds come out. But whatever that seed uh, encapsulized, that seed has to die. And it raises up, and, and Paul is using a very simple example of nature. Now he says, now multiply that you know, by myrids and myrids fold, and, and you'll see that when th- that's what's going to happen. The, the problem was, and the question was, what kind of bodies are we going to have? Well, it's not the same body you got right now, that's for sure. <laughs> Praise God for that, right? <laughs> it's not that same kind of body, but it's a recognizable body. You'll have the same type of look, the same same, personality, it's you. You're not some other created being. It's you, your body. You will be recognized. Jesus Christ was recognized, but he had a glorified body. They didn't recognize him at first. They saw somebody that, you know, well, I know what Jesus looked like. Yeah, you might kind of look like him, but, you know, I remember what his body looked like the last time I saw it, and this wasn't it. But when they saw him they recognized him Amen. rabboni master Amen. teacher yeah. it is you and when during the transfiguration remember that during the transfiguration there were three people that were there and and, and they said well we'll erect a, a, a temple here for each one of them and offering a, and and it was moses and and it was uh abraham and and they recognize those saints from old. I don't know how. They might have had pictures of them. I don't know. But they recognize them. You will have the same look. Not the same body. Look at First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Romans 8.23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of, of our bodies our bodies are going to be caught up in the air with jesus christ whether we are dead first in christ or left behind on the on the planet or left on this planet when when jesus christ returns one of the one thing that happens and it's kind of hard for people to kind of get their minds wrapped around this how does that take place well like the thief on the cross his body was taken from the cross and his body was cast into this huge body pile of dead people both those thieves. And as a matter of fact, that was the fear that was going to happen to Jesus Christ. Jesus was going to be taken down from the cross and tossed into this huge pile of dead bodies. Yeah. And, and so what, what took place is Joseph and Nicodemus both says, we don't want that happening to our Savior. Let us take him down. Go ahead, take him down, whatever. Just hurry it up because the Sabbath is coming where nobody can do anything. And, and they spent, they invested, they took their time the day of preparation, which is the day before Sabbath, the day that you prepared for the Seder, for the Passover, everybody was in town and people were doing all their busy work and shopping and getting things ready because at twilight, Sabbath began and nobody worked. And you couldn't work until the next Sabbath, until the the next sundown. And so for the whole day of Saturday, you were not caught outside doing any kind of work. And these two men opted to say, you know what? I I, I need to prepare this body. This is my day of preparation, and I'm, I'm going to help. And they did, and they took the body down, and they took it into a tomb. They bound it up in the cloths, and they put about 75 pounds of ointment on him to, to preserve him and to, just to worship him. And, and that, that body, that body that is lifted up, that body that has been raised up is the type of body that you and I are going to have. Because he's resurrected, we will resurrect too. I want you to know that power of the resurrection. And to know that power of the resurrection, you got to experience the resurrection and know what it means in the fellowship of his suffering because one day you will resurrect with him as well. Amen. There was a a young man, and I'm going to conclude with this, in Matthew 19, if you want to turn there with me. they They were discussing with Jesus about how all these things take place. Okay, well, you know, tell us, how is this happening? How does that take place? And, and what happens, you know, when, when somebody dies? And, and, uh, and then uh, this young man comes up to him and, and he asks him in verse 16, and behold, it says in chapter 19 of Matthew, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And so here it is. Many of you are asking, okay, what do I have to do to get to heaven? What do I have to do? How do I get myself there? And so Jesus asks, Well, so what does the tradition say? What does the law say? And he said to him in verse 17, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the response of this young man, this snarky young man. <laughs> the young man said to him, I have kept all of these. I'm good. <laughs> I can make it into heaven because I've kept them all. And Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing exactly, well, you know, there's nobody can keep all these perfectly perfectly. And then he says to him in verse 21, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Now, people take this verse and say, in order for you to get to heaven, you got to sell all your possessions. No, that's not what he's saying. Let me read that again. He says, if you would be perfect, he's saying, you really think you're perfect, huh? Okay, well, prove it to me. Get rid of everything that you have. He hit him right at the heart where he knew where his possessions were. He hit him right to where he really believed that that's where he was holding on to. He says, I can save myself by holding on to my possessions. And I can get myself to a place that I need to be because of who I am. I'm I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And so you would think if this person was really as perfect as he thought he was, then giving up his possessions would have been no problem but it is a problem. Amen. It's a problem for you, and it's a problem for me. Amen. Because we hold on to the things of this world. Oh, true. We hold on to the things that, that we now see can be taken away. Oh, true. And in a matter of days, it was all taken away. Yes. And now here we stand, we're at a crossroads. Yes. Beloved, we're at a crossroads. Yes. And from this point forward, after all of this is done, yeah. where are you going to end up at? Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ just another Holiday, like Memorial Day, like uh, Fourth of July. Like, yeah, I mean, and I love Memorial Day and I love Fourth of July. Is it just gonna be another holiday to gather with friends and family, barbecue, and, and do whatever it takes? You know, a lot of veterans are offended, and rightly so, by how Memorial Day has become just a, an excuse for a barbecue. And many veterans understand the pain that their loved ones have gone through because of somebody passing away in war and we remember them and we remember those that have passed on and gave their life for their country and many veterans get offended by the actual holiday because it's not being is not being celebrated as it should now multiply that times a thousand that's exactly what God is saying you're not celebrating this day i've asked you to do this in remembrance of me the communion to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because that is important. That's the most important thing. That's the message. That's the gospel. And if you are thinking that all I have to do is get back on my horse again, get back up on the saddle, and start going to work and put my nose to the grindstone and and work as hard as I can to be able to provide and have everything I need, and that's all I need to do, then, you know, you've missed the point. We need, to, we need to provide for our family. We need to work hard. We need to be ethical workers. We need to put in our eight hours, 10 hours, or whatever is required of you. You need to put in the time that you are committed to. Because the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. You know, but that shouldn't be your goal in life. A lot of people go trying to make a life and make a living and lose their life in the process. What should, what should it gain you if you were to gain the whole world? jesus says and then lose your soul and the point is is that for every person of every economic strata of every every walk of life the gospel is essential for all of us from the richest to the poorest and all in between the gospel of jesus christ is what each one of us need to get a hold of the crucifixion was cruel it was we call it good friday and we know we call it Good Friday because that was the sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God, not the rabbit of God <laughs> that many people celebrate. He was the Lamb of God that died for the sins of the world. And we know what we, re- what we celebrate with the resurrection. And all I'm asking you now is to come to know that resurrection, know the power of that resurrection, know the fellowship of that resurrection, and know the resurrection of that resurrection. Let me ask you to stand. Don't let this Resurrection Sunday just be another Sunday. Don't let this be an Easter. Take it to heart and know what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. You've you've seen it. You've read about it. You've heard about it. And he did that just for you. And if he is tugging on your heart, surrender. Just surrender. And let him do in your life what he's intended to do all along. Father in heaven, thank you once again for this, this time that we're able to share. And we thank you, God, for the, the reminder of what the resurrection power is all about. And we thank you because it's Jesus Christ that submitted himself. And he submitted himself and he laid himself down. No one took his life from him. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It wasn't Judas. But it was he who laid his life down. And as we learned on Friday, it, it pleased you to unleash all your wrath upon him. It pleased you because you knew that that was the antidote to our virus of sin. And now, Father, for those that commit their life to you to serve you, and to know you are the ones that you have brought up and will bring up on the last day. Amen. So thank you, God, once again, for giving us that reminder and helping us to grow in that. Lord, we pray that you lead us this, the rest of this day as we continue on in our, in our music and our worship of you and, and how we just love you and express that through our songs. So thank you, Father, for for each person. I pray for everyone this next week. I know it's a big week for many. Many are wondering what to do next, and we're waiting, Father. We have marching orders, but in the meantime, we are going to continue to to worship you and to love you and to talk to people about who you are so that we can continue to spread your word. So, Father, once again, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your loved ones and, and those that are here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. And Amen. Alright, at this point we're going to, uh, first of all, we're going to go into our songs, and, uh, but we're going to do the offering for those of you that are online, if you'd like to contribute. I want to thank those of you that have. <coughs> uh, we do have a, a phone app that you can use, it's called Tidely. Uh, if you can look it up and download it on your phone. Let us know how we can pray for you uh, on Facebook. Or uh, just fill out a card so we we can be praying for you and your family. Give us uh, some information about who you are and what you'd like. And and if you send us your information, I I tend to get back to you guys right away. And um, and we just want to thank you for joining us today. Amen. All right. The offering plate is back there. So whenever you're ready, you guys can do that. And uh, let's go straight into our time of worship. Church, I love you. Those of you guys on Facebook, we're going to check out at this time. I love you guys, and we'll see you guys next week. I wish you were here, really.